0: We got it going on yeah, we'll we know. about what we do. No, me, I'm the hottest in the W-J-M-S This is according to RP
1: Turn up the volume, kick back, and get raw with us
0: From the latest hip-hop beats To
1: social issues that cripple the black community All from the perspective of a young, strong black woman the
0: song Back everyone for another episode of According to RP on WJMS Media powered by Black Ivy Media. It's your girl Rita Pierre your host and as always I hope you guys are striving, thriving and surviving in these streets. So happy Sunday everyone. I hope you guys had an amazing week and an even better weekend. Shout out to all of my Zos out there, to all of my Haitians. May 18th if you guys don't already know is Haitian Flag Day, and so the Haitians decided to celebrate a little early because I think the 18th is what, either Wednesday or Thursday, and so the celebrations were going on all throughout, um, maybe the world, I would say, but at least especially here in Brooklyn, the celebrations were on and popping. Unfortunately, I was not able to make any of these celebrations. I was not feeling too well, but. I was there in spirit. I was there via Instagram live. (laughs) I was watching them play out on the internet. Uh, But I know that there was a uh, Haitian flag day parade that took place in Brooklyn. I believe it was actually yesterday. And I think even throughout the week, there are still going to be some sprinklings of, of things happening. But the bulk of the celebrations took place over the weekend. So again, shout out to all my Zoos. Uh, on May 18th, I expect to see if I am outside of this house, <laughs> I expect to see all of the Haitian flags. Those of you who are not Haitian but want to show your Haitian support, you know, um, I don't know where, where where would one get a flag? I mean Amazon, I guess, right? Um, usually, you know, you would get your flags off of Flatbush or Church Avenue if you're in, in Brooklyn. Uh, But I guess Amazon, I keep forgetting Amazon um, is really where everything is at. So if you are looking for a Haitian flag, you have a couple of days, especially if you have Amazon Prime, you may get your flag tomorrow if you order it today. Uh, But big shout out again to all of my Haitians out there. So I hate to jump to such a bad note, um, but rest in peace to all of the victims of the mass shooting that took place yesterday in Buffalo, New York. Now, for those of you who are not aware of what I am talking about, yesterday, an 18-year-old white man opened fire in a supermarket that was located in a predominantly black community and shot and killed 10 black individuals and wounded three individuals. I believe the, the it's three. I don't know if there are more, but um, the total count of individuals who were shot were 13 as of yesterday. And I know many people will say, "Oh my god, in 2022, this is crazy that this is still going on." And I feel like I used to be one of these people that would always say, "Man, in the year of 2022, can you believe this?" But I can. I can believe it because racism is still out here. And I think that for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's 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 this idealism in in many of us that we want to live in a world where racism does not exist or at least um, where people are not being killed because of the color of their skin, but that 's not the case and I think the Trump era definitely reactivated uh the batteries that were in many of these individuals backs, and it 's you know it 's really sad and it 's really tragic that this stuff is still happening, but I think it is you know a reminder to all of us who We're sitting here thinking that racism is dead and that we are okay and that, you know, black people are safe in this country. Uh, And many of us have maybe even put our guards down um, to put the guards back up. Racism is still here. It is. I don't want to say it's it's not going anywhere. I don't know. I am not a soothsayer, Um, but I can tell you that it's on and popping right now. And you know this example of this eighteen year old who's not even from the buff from this particular buffalo community. the reports say that he drove hours uh and specifically came and targeted this supermarket because it was in a black community um It's wild, right? It's wild, but it it's it's not shocking it can't be shocking um so my heart does go out to the families of these victims because I mean. <laughs> people were just going to the grocery store. They were just going to re-up on some supplies. Some people were there doing errands. Elderly people were there. Like this is a grocery store, right? Nobody would expect that they were going to get shot and killed doing groceries. Like nobody would expect the grocery store to be a point of danger. But unfortunately, this is the world that we are living in. And these things are happening every single day. Um so, I can only hope that you know, the city finds a way to heal and move forward, and that the families of these victims can do the same. And for the three individual or the three plus individuals that were wounded, that they can, you know heal and move past this, because I'm pretty sure that this is something that will stay with them for the rest of their lives. Um, and you just again, just just being a black person in America witnessing this, it's just another. For me, it's just another reminder that um we are not safe here, and you know we cannot be complacent and we cannot um we cannot get comfortable. It's sad to say, but we cannot get comfortable. you know, we are still othered in this country um and it's sad, but I wanted to definitely take the time to uh give my condolences to to those that you know to the families of those that lost loved ones yesterday in this heinous, heinous, heinous crime. How do you, how do you, you know, follow that up, right? I hate, I hate the sad moments because it's kind of like, what do you say after that? But we have to move forward, right? So May, as well as being um, Haitian Heritage Month, Mental Health Awareness Month, it's also Lupus Awareness Month. And I did promise you guys a Lupus Awareness episode. And so today, We have my amazing sister in the law. She's my law school sister um, and very, very close friend, Diane Samu Graves, who is back yet again. This time, she's wearing the hat of Lupus Warrior. So Diane wears many hats. She's been on this show three times already (laughs) since January, I think, um, giving her expertise on just... So many different areas, you know, she's multifaceted. The last time she was on this show, she was talking about autism awareness um, from the provider perspective because her family business is an autism support. Um, but this time is going to be talking to us as a lupus warrior. Diane has battled lupus for a number of years. She is, you know, a warrior. Um, I have been through many of those years with her. And I can tell you that, um, for those of you who are out there who are dealing with lupus or other autoimmune diseases, there is hope for a better tomorrow, regardless of what your doctor or medical provider may say. There is hope. And I can tell you this because I have seen, um, you know, Diane and I, I, I've seen what she's capable of. I've seen what she's been able to defy, um, with this disease. So, Um, We're not going to go into the preliminaries today, I know, um, because we have such an interesting episode. I think that you guys will find this episode to be um, informative um, because a lot of us, although we may know somebody with lupus, we don't really understand what lupus disease is. We don't understand, um, you know, how we on the outside can be true supporters to those who have lupus, and I think understanding lupus through the eyes of an individual who has lived with lupus and is still living with lupus today, and is a high-powered attorney, wife, um, you know, uh, daughter, um, global citizen, I think it's important for for you guys to hear her story, to hear her journey, and then just to really again understand the disease and understand how it affects black people, right? Um, Understand how black people are disproportionately affected by this disease. So um, next week we will have, we will have our preliminaries. I promise you that. (laughs) But either way, guys, um, it is now time for the meat of the show.
1: WJMS Media is the proud Raise Your Voice media sponsor for the American Lung Association's 8th Annual Lung Force Walk, New York City, taking place on Saturday, May 21st at Pier 16 at the South Street Seaport in Manhattan. Walk with us to raise critical awareness and funds to end lung cancer and other chronic lung diseases. For more information on how to register for free or donate, visit www.lungforce.org NYC. Because when you can't breathe, nothing else matters.
0: All right, everyone, I'm here with my very special guest, though no stranger to according to RP. Literally, I think this is her third or fourth appearance <laughs> in the year of 2022. <laughs> it is Diane Samu Graves. <laughs> woo,
1: woo. <laughs> Thanks for having me again, Rita. Of
0: course, of course. Now people are probably wondering like, is she is she like the next co-host? This is not what's happening here. It's just that, <laughs> you know, because we have we have like our other co-host who hasn't been right. on for a little while, but it's just the fact that with these all these awarenesses that have been coming up, you have somehow, you know. Like you were like an expert in like all these different things.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's let's say it as it is, Rita. I've I've got lupus. I've uh, <laughs> been disabled. I I work in disability. I have an organ transplant. Right. I just I just
0: encompass it all. Uh, yeah, I'm like I'm, you know, it, it's un- unfortunately that's the case. But you you know, this is your life, right? So you have a life. life. You have a lot of expertise and a lot of the things that we have to say up here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm happy to share. And I will say fortunately, because it has given me the opportunity to learn about a lot of different areas. Right, right.
0: So this month, guys, if you don't already know, it's Lupus Awareness Month. I know a lot of times when we think about May We focus on mental health awareness, which is super, super important. Um, But lupus is something that, you know, has been really I think it's I don't know. I feel like there's been an increased amount of individuals who've been getting lupus over the years. And I feel like its impact on black people, black and brown people is, is much greater than I think most people would even, you know, think of in a sense. And so I really wanted to raise awareness um, to it because obviously, you know, you've been my dear friend for so many years and you are, I think one of the first individuals um, who I've known personally with lupus. I have other people that I, that I know through like the family, like my aunt's best friend has lupus, but Mm -hmm. in terms of like somebody who's really connected to me and my Age group, um, you know, I wanted to definitely raise awareness um, to it because I think that it's something that's necessary. I did have a friend of mine who passed away, um, God, I think it was the year we graduated from law school. She passed away from lupus. She was much younger than me, but she was a friend of mine through the church. Right. Um, And we had our own like close relationship. But the thing is, is that we didn't know she had lupus. She didn't know she had lupus. She ended Mm -hmm. up in the hospital with what we thought was a weird, you know, mysterious illness. And she died and never left the hospital. It's afterwards we were told it was lupus. So that's why, you know, what her journey, like she didn't even really get to go through a journey. We didn't go through a journey with her. It was just, she got sick died. We were told it was lupus. She didn't even know she had lupus. So, um, so I think it's something that, you know, we need to raise more awareness of because of its impact, I think on our community. And so since you are somebody who is a lupus warrior and you've been fighting for so many years and I've, you know, been on the path with you for the last, Mm -hmm. what (laughs) we've met each other in what, 2008. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and just seeing you know how how you have dealt with it how you've kind of taken it by the horns um you know i think that it's definitely um a journey that should be shared, because I think that there are a lot of people who are going through it or who might have recently been diagnosed who are kind of like, what the hell is going on here Um, Mm -hmm. and need some sort of encouragement and need some sort of word of advice. Um, So, you know, I thought you were the best person to do that.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you for for thinking of me, Rita. And thank you for actually um, addressing this topic, because it is an important one. And you are correct that recently um, there has been more awareness brought about it because there have been more diagnoses that are happening. And whether or not most people realize it, either you know someone who has lupus or you know someone that knows someone that has lupus and that is impacted um, by it. And unfortunately, the story of your friend who passed away has been the story of many women who have lupus. And as we'll get into a little bit later, uh, it disproportionately affects Black women. And um, we already know we don't need to get into much to the disparities in our healthcare compared to other demographic groups. But as a result of that, we tend to suffer the most. Mm-hmm. So thank you for um, talking about this
0: of course of course so you know not everybody um is a veteran to the according to our p show we have newbies every week and so i know this is like the third or fourth time you've been on here but just mm-hmm. introduce yourself let the people know who you are where you're from what you do
1: yeah so my name is Diane salmon Graves where i'm from i am from the best state in the union the state of maryland jesus christ uh, <laughs> listen <laughs> New York comes very close, but (laughs) it's Maryland all day. Um, I am a daughter. I am a sister. I am a friend. I am a wife. I am an attorney. um, And I am a forever student. And that is in no particular order. Um, And I'm just happy to be here. And I welcome all your newbies. And I welcome all the old heads. So welcome back.
0: All right. All right. So Diane, let's first start off with what is lupus? Because I think some people like they hear it all the time, you know, Nick Cannon, Mm -hmm. I think has been the recent celebrity that has, you know, kind of shown some light on it. And so people might have been introduced because of him.
1: But what what is lupus? So it's an autoimmune disease that's, um, you know, characterized by like an inflammatory process, where your immune system basically turns on itself, and it attacks your tissues, and attacks your organs. And this is a disease that affects many different systems, right? So it can affect your skin, your joints, um, your kidneys, your blood cell, your brain. Uh, So whatever it is that it attacks, it, it's just your body's way of saying, hey, we think that that organ that is a part of you is actually an invader. And so we're going to do everything to kill it as if it's an invader.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what would you say are some symptoms? Because some people might be tuning in and they're just like, you know, what What are the symptoms? Because maybe, you know, they've been thinking that something's been going on with them and maybe they've been told possibly it's lupus, but they have no idea like what to look for.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the telltale symptoms of lupus is what they call a butterfly rash. And that is a rash that, um, basically spreads from the T zone of your face onto both sides of your cheeks. And it's red and, you know, that's usually a telltale, but not everybody ends up with that butterfly rash, right? I didn't have that butterfly rash, but a lot of people do. There's also fatigue. There is joint pain. Uh, there's fever, there is depression, there's Raynaud's phenomenon. And for those who don't know what Raynaud's is, it's basically your, your fingertips, your toes, they're, they're cold all the time. It's like, blood's not going there. So there are a number of symptoms, right. That you can have with lupus, but I give these symptoms not to say, Hey, if you have all these symptoms, you have lupus. I am not a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that these are some of the symptoms, um, that, doctors look for when they are making a diagnosis of lupus. Okay.
0: And so then how, how does one get diagnosed? Is it like a blood test? Is it some sort of like MRI
1: imaging? Like how, how do we yeah. do that? So, you know, it's funny that you, you asked that because it's actually a very difficult, um, diagnosis to come by. Right. So doctors are looking at, um, signs, symptoms, and uh, laboratory results. And some of the signs and symptoms that I just mentioned, right, we all know that they those mimic a lot of different other conditions, right? Like mm-hmm. fatigue, joint pain. Those are found in a lot of different conditions. And no two cases of lupus are, are ever the same. So they manifest differently in different people. Um, and so, you know, they run blood test on you. They, they take your medical history and they look for those signs and symptoms in order to make, um, the diagnosis. And, you know, a a number of times, um, you know, it's not always definitive. This is lupus. This is what you have. Sometimes it it takes a while, you know, to get that absolute definitive diagnosis. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, is there a cure for lupus? Unfortunately, there is no cure for lupus. Um, what there what there is are medications that can effectively manage some of your symptoms, and you have to make some lifestyle changes. Um, and so, you know, I will say this: I will say, when I was diagnosed with this condition, and you know, I'm not going to age myself, but it's been nearly 20 years since I received my diagnosis. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of money pour, poured into research for lupus. And we can speculate about what some of those reasons um, are. It might be because of who it affected. I right. don't know. And, you know, leave it to your imagination why there wasn't a lot of money. But recently um, that story has changed and there has been a lot of money poured into the research, uh, for, for lupus and what is, um, how do we cure it? How do we manage it? And where do we go? Um, or how do we go forward? Okay. So I do
0: want to now talk about your journey with lupus. You said about 20 years ago is when mm-hmm. you received your
1: diagnosis. Um, I mean, take us through your journey. Yeah. So, you know what I was, a I was, it was towards the end of my senior year in high school. And, um, I had just come home from a trip in London and, uh, I was sleeping on my parents all, well, I should say my mother, cause my dad doesn't care too much for furniture. <laughs> well, it was my mother's all white sofa. And I woke up and I had like soaked it in blood and I was freaking out. Didn't know, you know, why was I bleeding? What was going on? And my parents were still in the UK and so they hadn't come back yet. And I was there with my sister, who's a few years older than me. And, you know, I I told her and I was just like, I feel weak, I'm losing blood. And my parents came back a few days later. I still hadn't gone to the hospital. And, um, you know, at this time I was, I was a dancer. I was a runner. I was very active. So in my mind, there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. It's just, you know, some weird blood. And I'm 18. So that's, that's kind of my mindset. Mm -hmm. My parents came home and they're mortified. And they're like, why didn't you go to the hospital if you're bleeding? (laughs) Go to the hospital. And they diagnosed me initially with something called uh, idiopathic thrombocytopenia, ITP. Um, now, whenever you hear the word idio- mm-hmm. um, idiopathic, right, it just means we don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> That's right. It's a fancy way of them telling you we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they kept me there for a couple weeks, and they're running all types of tests, and you know, so on and so forth. And I go uh, from Children's Hospital to Georgetown Hospital, just a whole bunch of you know different tests and. Um, they still don't diagnose it. And I'm like, sorry, you guys are out of time. I'm supposed to start school and I need to go away to school. So thank you very much. I'll figure this out. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I go away to school and um, things get a lot worse. And uh, fast forward, probably it took a full year, maybe year and a half before I was able to get that diagnosis for lupus. And The diagnosis was delivered in a pretty cruel way. Um, I had a doctor who, you know, said to me, hey, you have lupus. And this time I'm late 18, maybe 19 years old at this time. And he goes, and the medication we're going to put you on. He goes, do you know what the Michelin man looks like? The guy that sells tires, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. And he goes, in a few years, that's what you're going to look like because medication is going to make you gain weight. And a few more years after that, you're not going to be able to walk because um, your joints and, you know, everything's just going to deteriorate. So you kind of have to get used to that. And that was his delivery. And at 19, you know, that's that's not what you want to hear. You're in college, you're doing your best. Um, and his advice was, you know, it's probably best that you just take off of school and, you know, just get comfortable. Wow. And that was it. And so I was like, because that was delivered to me in that way, I didn't take that kindly. So I decided I didn't have lupus and I decided that I didn't have anything wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I wasn't going to be compliant with the medications and the treatments and the things, you know, and I did okay for a little while. Um, I did okay with lifestyle changes, but I'm like a sophomore in college at this point. And, you know, there's only so much discipline you can have at that age. Right. And my condition came back. Long story short, uh, it ended up causing renal failure. Um, fast forward many years later, um, I go into, I guess it's like seven years later or so, mm-hmm. I experience kidney failure. I get on dialysis and I'm on dialysis for five years. Um, fortunately, you know, I. I ended up getting a kidney transplant and law, you know, the medications used to stop rejection of your transplant are the same medications they use for lupus. And you better believe I don't miss a single dose. So let's, my, let's
0: go back though, to, sure, the, to the kidney, to the kidney um, transplant. When yeah. did you find out? Cause that was very special when you found out that you were getting a kidney.
1: Oh man. Oh yeah. So I will tell you it was the morning of December 25th. Yes. Right? Christmas Day. Christmas Day. 2015. And I that was the first year I I we just bought a house um that September. Yeah, September we had bought the house. So it was my my first time hosting Christmas dinner for the Mm -hmm. family. And so I woke up very early at the time he was my boyfriend. Now he's my husband. And I was making, you know, Christmas prepping for Christmas Mm -hmm. dinner. And, um, my dad calls me really frantically and he's like, you're not answering your phone. Someone from Johns Hopkins is calling. You're not answering your phone. And I was like, Oh, I don't have my phone. So I go, um, he called, I'm sorry. He called Mark's phone, my husband. Mm -hmm. And he's like, tell Diana answer her phone. So I go find my phone. And it's Johns Hopkins Hospital. And they go, how far are you from Hopkins? And I said, I live 10 minutes away from Hopkins. And they go, can you be here within the hour? And I'm like, sure, I can. And they're like, have you eaten anything today? And, you know, I I swallow what's in my mouth. And I say, <laughs> no, <"Nope." laughs> I, nope, I have it. And they say, um, we have a kidney for you. Now, this is this is like one of the, man, what a call to receive. But when they say they have a kidney for you, that means something. That means you are the sickest person on the list. Right. That means that you are the closest person to death. And that means that you are so sick that you have beat out everybody else. <laughs> who's on dialysis, right, to get this kidney. Um and they tell me it's from a deceased donor and that's mm-hmm. not lost on me because it means that someone has lost their life in order right. to give me this kidney. And so um I say to, you know, I say okay, I can be there within the hour no problem. And I say to Mark I'm like, "Oh man, I have to pack a bag, I have to do this." And Mark says, "You need to get in the car." Which <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we go to Hopkins and it was, it was, it was for me, it was, you know, it was one of, it it was a surreal experience because you've been on dialysis for five years. You've been sick for five years and now you're getting a kidney. And so Christmas day, 2015, um, was a very special day. And I, I got my transplant and I have been grateful every single day since. And Rita was one of the people that uh, insisted that she that Mark update her and keep Listen, her in the loop. <laughs>
0: and When I heard that, I, I mean, even listening to the story now, you know, getting a little teary-eyed because it was because, you know, it's like, you know, we we were in law school together. It was hard. And you were going through this. Right. And it was just mm-hmm. like I remember when you told me, like, you have like 20 percent. Function, and yeah. I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, and I was just like, "This is insane!" And like, you know, you 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 slept over. You've traveled with your dialysis machine. Like <laughs> it was.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: my friends remember you. They're like, "Yeah, the girl that was that slept over. Remember,
1: she came over with the dialysis machine." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, because you know what? Even with lupus, even with kidney failure, your attitude matters, and you cannot let diseases define who you are or the experiences that you have and you know you have to will your body to do what it is that you want to do and you keep that in mind always right yeah
0: so I want to then move to then you know obviously lupus has shaped your life has changed your life right it's something that I don't know for the rest of your life. Right. Like it's, it's always going to like, it's this impact that's never going to go away. Right. So I kind of want to talk about how living with lupus has impacted your life. Cause you talked about keeping a sane mind, you know, being positive, staying positive. You Mm -hmm. talked about how in the beginning you were like, I don't have it.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't have
0: it. So like how, how has living with it, like, how would you say it impacted your life and maybe your outlook on life probably is a better question.
1: Um, in terms of my outlook on life, I treat every single day, like it is a gift and that it is a miracle. And, um, I take time in the morning just to remember how, how precious life is. Um, it has taught me to give myself grace. That is, that is a gift. I don't think I I knew how to give myself. I didn't know how to be patient with myself. I didn't know how to, um, properly set boundaries and say, no, I'm not able to do this Mm -hmm. or I need to rest. Um, And it has reminded me, right. I'm reminded every single day that you don't know what day is going to be your last. So you need to live it without regrets. You need to be mindful of how you treat others. You need to be as kind as possible to other people. And be kind to yourself. Um, and that has been very important for me.
0: Okay. Now I know you talked about lifestyle changes, right. That's right to make. And I know that when people think about disease and I think, especially since, since COVID really, people have been really turning Mm. to like the natural stuff, right. The, the, um, the holistic, um, stuff. And so obviously there are meds that you have to take, right? Like you can't, you can't escape some of the medications that your doctors have given you because there are consequences for that. Correct. However, with respect to lifestyle changes, if you could be a little more specific, maybe as to what some of these lifestyle changes were, just so that people who may be dealing with either lupus or even another um, autoimmune you know, disease can, can say, wow, let me maybe this can work for me. Let me try this.
1: Yeah, so Rita, I want to reiterate the first part of what you said, which is there are medications that you have to take, right? But there is an integrative approach to managing your health. So the medications are certainly one part and thank God for modern day science. I do not frown upon it. A big part of managing any disease, but particularly the disease of lupus is stress reduction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we didn't get too much into this, but I do want to mention that 9 out of 10 cases of lupus that are diagnosed are in women.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So let that let that say 90% of people with lupus are women. 1 in 250 African American women will develop lupus. And we know women are stressed. And right. we know black women are stressed. Right. And what we also know is a disproportionate amount of black women are those diagnosed with lupus. So while, you know, let's say African Americans make up about what 13 12 13% of the population, mm-hmm. 6 or 7% of those are women, right of the US population. Mm-hmm. 38.5% of people diagnosed with women are African American women. So I know as a black woman that I carry stress Mm -hmm. And when work says, take on another project, I say, okay, because I don't put myself first and I don't put my, my mental health. I don't put my physical health. Those things don't enter the equation or they didn't used to. They certainly do now because stress reduction is paramount in ensuring that I don't have flares. And what does that look like? That means I take time for self care. That means I will go to the spa. I'll go to the hairdresser. I'll get my nails done. Excuse me. I'll get a massage. um, And I'll say no. If I can't take on an additional project because I am exhausted, I say no. And I don't need to give you a reason why. I know my reasons why I can't do it. And people who have worked with me know that if I'm able to do something, then I will do it. Another part of managing... um, again any disease but particularly lupus is exercise i have to keep moving i mentioned earlier lupus affects your joints and if you don't move your joints consistently then they stop moving mm-hmm. and you know if i'm not stretching my muscles i they cramp up and there is this excruciating pain just to get them to to go again so it is absolutely important that in addition to the stress reduction, I am exercising, I am drinking water. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things for people with lupus um, is sun exposure, right? And so if you go out in the sun, I know, I know black, black folk were gonna say our melanin protects us from the mm-hmm. rays of the sun. And you know, that's all fine and and great. Um, but p- black people get affected by the sun too, right? Mm-hmm. We get skin cancer too, y'all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you have lupus, the sun can be absolutely, um, detrimental to your health. And so when I am in the sun, I am just smothered in SPF, um, mm-hmm. because I, I still go to the beach. I still enjoy the beach. I'm not telling you guys, I'm not going to be in the beach, but I'll find an umbrella. I'll find a wide brim hat and I'll do things to make sure that um, I am protecting my my skin from the sun so that I don't trigger a flare up. And then, you know, the final thing I'll say is um, know the causes of your triggers and what causes inflammation in your body. For some people, it's food. For some people, it's, you know, sugar or processed uh, meats or mm-hmm. whatever it is get time, just know your body and whether that means keeping a diet to figure out, you know, cause and effect in terms of your health. Um, Because at the end of the day, if you are really going to manage this disease, then you need to be an expert on how this disease affects your body.
0: Right, right. Now, are there any like natural supplements, natural teas, natural things that you, you know, ingest to kind of help manage Um, inflammation or like, you know, stress? I know some people are very big with the ashwagandha. They take that to manage their stress. Uh, I know you introduced me to the nettle tea.
1: The nettle tea that you mentioned. Absolutely. That is certainly um, one of the things that uh, I... I drink till this day that absolutely helps me. Um, another thing, and you know, I've mentioned this, but you guys, you you can't underestimate the value of water. Uh, it's just, it just is what it is. Like, do not underestimate the value of water because that's one of the things that um, that helps me a lot. And I do take um, a number of supplements. I do do that because I know that my body is efficient in, in certain, in certain things. And when, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying this as an endorsement of any supplement, because I take these supplements because I've worked closely with my doctors to identify what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those supplements is magnesium. Mm-hmm. And I have muscle, like, you know, one of the, characteristics are are the the muscle pains and aches. And so I take magnesium because it addresses that for me. Um, And it helps that I take um, calcium, right? Because unfortunately, um, in patients that have lupus, you have a higher incident of things like osteopenia and osteoporosis. And so um, I take calcium to supplement that. Um, And I take a great multivitamin right, I take a whole food multivitamin. And that makes sure that, you know, if I am unable to get all the nutrients through food, then at least, you know, I'm getting some more of those nutrients through a multivitamin. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, it's in consultation with a healthcare practitioner. And so you should have blood work, you should know what you're deficient in, and then work with you know, that practitioner to make sure that you get that nutrient in some way.
0: And I think it's really important um, that we talk about just the various things that one can do. Like you said, stress reduction is big. And and that yeah. I, I know personally dealing with my issues that when I am more stressed, that's when, you know, flare ups, that's when things happen. So the stress reduction, the exercise, the eating yeah. healthy, the taking of the supplements, natural herbs, all that is important. And I, and I really want to highlight that because going back to, you know, the conversation with your doctor when you were mm-hmm. first diagnosed, who, who essentially told you in a couple of years that mm-hmm. you would be, you know, you wouldn't be able to walk, you mm-hmm. would look like a Oompa Loompa. Um and we're talking about, you know, you were diagnosed at like let's just say 19. So he was basically saying, you know, by your mid 20s you would essentially be like infirm, right? That's correct. And obviously we're not, you know, going to be talking about how old you really are, but <laughs> You're I still ca- older. <laughs> all I can say is that you're a lot older (laughs) from that point and you are running you are walking you are traveling you are doing everything that your doctor said you could not do so it just goes to show for those people who are tuning in that this is kind of like the prototype right like you did all of these things you've gone through all of these things, Um, you know, you've made the lifestyle changes. So it's kind of like, you know, unfortunately, we can't, there's no script to give doctors to say, listen, deliver uh, diagnoses properly, please, right? Like, stop the doom and gloom. So I'm sure there are many people who have received The news in the way that you have, but unfortunately, Mm -hmm. instead of seeing it the way you saw it as, you know what, I'm just going to keep pushing. I won't let this define me. They have let it define them and they did not see hope. So I think that you um, are definitely like the poster child in a sense, for lack of a better term or phrase, to show that if you, you know, you can live and you can have a very meaningful life Mm -hmm. as long as you take, you know, your health seriously.
1: Absolutely, and you know, I just want to add to that. If you don't like how a doctor tells you something, don't go see that doctor, right? And if it's particularly offensive, then guess what? That doctor has a supervisor, and that doctor has to report to their supervisor, and that supervisor has a boss, and everybody has a boss. And you report it until you you are satisfied that it has been addressed correctly, because. And Rita, you know, thank you for having shows about this, about, you know, advocating for yourself in um, in healthcare, mm-hmm. Right. Because too many times um, and th- these are this is people in general, we make assumptions about about people based on their race, their gender, you know, ethnicity, what language barriers, whatever we make assumptions about. And I do believe that he made assumptions about me. I was young. I was black. I was female, mm-hmm. right? At the time, I, I didn't have a college education, right? I was I hadn't been to college yet. I was planning to go to college. But if you don't like it, you advocate for yourself. And don't ever forget that. And you know what? That was his perspective. Make sure that you, you keep your mind on what you want to do. And Rita, you are absolutely correct. I run. I walk. I travel. Mm-hmm. I have a travel partner in Rita. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've done a number of things. I've graduated from college. I've graduated from law school. I have worked consistently as an attorney. And, you know, what loop is, okay, it's a diagnosis, but it, it, it doesn't define who I am. Um, and it's not going to define what I'm able to do. Right. And I want women who are either diagnosed with lupus or know someone who has lupus, just to remember that it is, it is not a death sentence. um, As long as, as Rita said, you know, you take your health seriously and you do something about it.
0: Right. Right. I love it. So now what are some myths about lupus, right? Because I feel like, you know, just in, uh, I mean, my experience and hearing, you know, what people say about lupus in general, like sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is correct. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I've heard things like, well, if you are diagnosed with lupus, you you cannot, you should not have children because it's going to make things worse and whatever the case is. So I know Mm -hmm. sometimes there are myths about certain diseases. And and a lot of times these are detrimental because people are either stopping their life or people are either, you know, they're, they're doing something as a result of hearing the myth. So are there any prominent myths that you would like to debunk or dispel at this moment?
1: Yeah. So one of them, you just mentioned um, that if you have lupus, you can't have children. So that, that comes from what, what they say is if you have active lupus, you should not be out there making children. And and that is correct, right? To an extent, because um, your chance for miscarriage is a lot higher. Mm -hmm. But if you are paying attention to your health, and you have your lupus under control, you can have a successful pregnancy. And there are a lot of women who have had successful pregnancies with lupus, and they just they work with their doctors. And it just means that you're going to have to see a high risk OBGYN during Mm -hmm. your pregnancy. And that's fine. Um, another myth about lupus is, you know, if you have lupus, you will be disabled, right? That's the myth I just touched on. No, no, you won't. Um, you you can take that position and say, woe is me, and I'm not gonna do anything about it, and I'm gonna allow it to take my overtake my body, and you will be disabled. That's your choice, right? You you get to make that decision there. Um, I touched on you will be fat. No, you won't. Um we have, you know and, and what is, again, you know, what is, what is fat? I'm not saying, you know, um, that you necessarily are going to be a certain weight, but you determine your, your weight and genetics determines your weight. And it's not lupus that's determining your weight. Mm -hmm. And so you have to remember that sure. Some medications will predispose you to gain a few pounds, but you can, do the things that you know that you need to do to take off those few pounds if that is what you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You will be bald, right? Mm. That is another huge thing because one of the telltale things involving lupus is hair loss. Again, this is active lupus and this is why it is so important that you manage your disease and it's so important that you, you figure out what the right combination is to keep your lupus in check. Um, There are also myths and assumptions about, you know, this is a disease that only affects poor black women. Right. And so I want you guys, that's a myth. Um, Sure, I'm a a black woman. um, But I have been, you know, blessed and fortunate that, um, you know, I, I grew up middle class. Now my, you know, my socioeconomic status, I'm, I am not in, you know, the bottom tiers of, um, of economically in this country. And, but it's an assumption that, that people make. And, um, you know, while I said that 38.5% of individuals with lupus were black women, 36.2% of them are white. Mm-hmm. So don't assume that everyone with lupus is, is black because there are other demographics out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are just some of the most prominent myths that, that I've, I've heard. Um, you know, when, when people are like, oh, you have lupus, but you're not bald. No, I'm not.
0: Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and she ain't
1: poor either. No. <laughs> okay. From, from your lips to God's ears. Listen. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. So now I just have maybe like two more questions left. I want to kind of go into advice. I know throughout this episode, we've just been dropping gems upon gems upon gems, but you know, now like, okay, we're, you know, we're wrapping up. We're, we're wanting to talk to these individuals. I would say twofold, right? The individuals who currently are, are, have been diagnosed with lupus who are living with lupus, maybe recently got Mm -hmm. diagnosed and are like, oh my God, what to do. Um, so advice for them, um, but I would also like advice for people who are somehow tangentially connected to individuals with lupus, right? Because I think a lot of times um, those of us on the outside, when we're mm-hmm. trying to support um, we don't know what support really looks like, or we think that what we're doing is support, and it might not be. Because I know you mentioned depression as being something that individual with lupus goes through. Right. So I think for those of us who are on the outside of this, like, what are what's some advice that you would give to us who you know who have friends or family who have lupus, and we want to be supportive, but we want to make sure we also don't overstep bounds or you know create create you know toxic situations.
1: Right. So, you know, for the first part, um, for for those individuals that, you know, have lupus or recent diagnosis of lupus, um, I would say take control. Right. That's my biggest piece of advice. And how do you control your situation? you arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible. There are resources out there. There's the Mayo Clinic. There's the Cleveland Clinic. There's NIH. There's Topkins, There's lupus.org. Mm-hmm. There is your doctor. You arm yourself with knowledge and you look up what you're, you know most people can access um, their blood work and their lab numbers online. Mm-hmm. You go there, you look at it. And if you don't know what a number is or what they're measuring or why, there is Google, right? Google was not huge when I got my, my diagnosis, but today it is. And if I see something, I don't know what it is, I'm gonna Google it and then I'm gonna write my question and then I'm either gonna email my doctor or I'm gonna set up an appointment. And that's how you get to control the narrative. Mm-hmm. And you want to always be the one in control of that narrative. Um, in terms of people who you know are connected to someone who have lupus but don't necessarily have lupus, You know, Rita, you use the word support and I'm going to tell you what support looks like. Support is understanding that they might not feel like going out to to hang out with you every single time that you want to go and hang out and you can't get mad at them because you don't know what they're experiencing. It might be depression. It might be a pain day. You know, they their body might not work. Some some of us with you know lupus or other conditions, if it rains outside, everything Girl,
0: hurts. Last week.
1: <laughs> you know, I called you, I had to text you. I'm
0: like, Diane, is this normal? Because that's right. I am hurting right now
1: and I cannot get out of bed. That's right. Yeah. And so you might not feel like going out that day. Um, and you might want to, you know, be left alone. And that's fine. Leave them alone for that day. But then the next day, check on them and make sure that they are okay. And do they need anything? Um, You know, at my worst, I had some, I have some great friends. And I always say this every single time. I don't know, every episode we (laughs) talk, Rita, I tell you, like, what an amazing group of friends I had. I had one friend who, um, and this is, you know, at the beginning of kidney failure, and I really couldn't do anything. I really couldn't go out. And he came over to my parents' house where I was living at the time and he dropped off all the um, Harold and Kumar DVDs that he had and I laughed and I laughed and I laughed and laughter does something for, for your mind, your spirit, your body and it helped me feel better. Um, you want to just whatever it is that they need and how you don't create a toxic situation is that you ask them, what do they need? right? And even if they say, I don't need anything, I'll tell you a couple of things people will always need. People will always need food. Mm -hmm. People will always need laughter. Um, And people will always need to just know someone cares, right? So maybe they don't want to talk, but you can text them. And maybe they don't want to go out for dinner. But you know, if you're in a position to be like, let me go ahead and Uber eat something Mm -hmm. over there, um, because I know they haven't eaten today, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those little things show that you care. And even if right in that moment, you know, we, we don't feel like dealing with you to acknowledge it. It means the world to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how you support them.
0: All right. I love that. Cause I think that that's very important. Um, you know, sometimes people, you know, they have in their minds, I guess, what they think support is. And I mm. think, you know, as we get older and dealing with issues, you know, the desire to be out in these streets is not is not high on the priority list, right? No. Like two years ago, three years ago, I've been like, yo, where the party's at? What's happening? What's going yeah. down? Now it's like, I don't even want to know what's going down. What's on Netflix?
1: That's right. that's right that's right
0: people have to be okay with that and sometimes you do have friends who like they take it some type of way and then they create a toxic situation because now they're coming at you for not wanting to go out and not picking up the phone but it's like you have to and I think that's where it's important to have a group of friends that also know you so if yes. I know that I call Diana, she doesn't pick up the phone. I'm not thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, I know who I got to call next <laughs> <laughs> to find out what's going on. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to get offended if you don't pick up. You know, right. I might send that. Hey, are you OK? You might text. Yeah, I'm OK. Or going through some stuff. And it's like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll wait for her to come back to me. So I think that's really important. I uh, appreciate this. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I know you mentioned resources cause I, I wanted to get, you know, a sense of like what resources are available, but you, I think yes. you went through the list. Like there's a lupus.org. Correct. That's, I mean, I think that that would probably be the main place to go. Right. That's right. <laughs>
1: that, that is correct. That is correct. Yes. Um, and it just, it just depends on how scholarly you want to get, right, right? right. Because there are NIH studies out yes. there as well. If that's where you, you want to go, um, right but you arm yourself with knowledge right. just like you would any other thing you are, are learning more about. Right. Right.
0: No. I mean, thank you so much Diane for just taking the time to really talk about um, your journey, because I think that whether it's lupus or whether it's another type of autoimmune disease, you know, these things are affecting, you know, the black population population. Like I I would say, like you know, like it's it's disproportionate one, but I feel Mm -hmm. like there's increased diagnoses that have happened within the last few years. Like I can say that you know every other week or so, I'm hearing that somebody is is dealing with some sort of autoimmune issue or dealing with something something chronic. And it's funny, I was talking to one of my cousins. Um, I think it was last week, actually, and he and we were just talking about, you know, some of the issues that I've been going through. And he's like, you know, he had spoken to a physician and this physician was like, you know, by the time you get to a certain age, you Mm -hmm. you will know like somebody who has a chronic illness. Like as we get older, more and more of us are going to have chronic illnesses like it. No doubt about it. Um, So it's, it's not something that we can ignore. Um, right so I so I definitely you know salute you for for just coming out and and sharing your story and really I think for me this was more about being like a light and a beacon of hope for those mm-hmm. who are going through it because it's not easy especially you know coming out of covid we're or I don't yeah. know if we're out of covid but a lot of isolation has taken place and people really just you know, there, there, there's a lot of depression that's happening, you know, Absolutely. and it's not easy, you know, to get, to, to get diagnoses and then be like, what am I going to do? What, you know, the doctors are saying that this is forever. There's no cure. Um, and now you're thinking about what is life going to be for me? So I think you, you know, sh- uh, talking about your life, talking about all of the amazing things that you have done are doing, and then will continue to do with somebody who's been 20 years in the game, Mm -hmm. Of this disease, I think that it just speaks to, um, you know, some of the things you said earlier, right? Mindset um, taking control. So I hope that those who are, are tuning in, um, you know, have gotten some sort of inspiration. And even if it's not for yourself, but for that person that, you know, or that somebody, somebody that you're going to know that has Mm -hmm. lupus to just be like, listen, I heard an amazing interview. You're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You're going to be fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Well, again, again, thank you so much for coming on. Um and again, I'm 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 pretty sure the year the year is not over yet. I'm pretty sure you're gonna be on here again <laughs> for something else. Cause it's like I'm like, oh wait, autism Diane is in that field. Wait, disability? Diane, is it that? <laughs> you've become, you know, that expert. Th- th- there are certain shows that always has that expert that comes on. Yeah. You're yeah. Now, you've now become like the according to RP expert.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, Rita. Thank you for, for having me. And again, you know, thank you for shining light on really important um, topics. Right. Because you're right there is chronic illness and we're getting to know more people with chronic illness as we age. And it's important that we know how to handle it, what to do. Um And it's a new space for everyone. Yeah. So thank you for, for having me and inviting me again.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome well all right everyone thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of according to rp on wjms media powered by black ivy media it's your girl rita pierre your host and i will talk to you guys next week
1: you are listening to according to rp on wjms radio About time you tuned in. tune in each and every sunday I can't wait to come back 7 p.m eastern standard time it's all on